Good morning. Well, we're going to be on page 708 this morning in our Bibles for our reading. And uh, several of our group are out traveling today. So um, Bill and Kathy are with uh, family in the Fort Worth area. And Daniel and Rebecca are in San Antonio. And Joe and Susan and Adam are in the Metroplex as well. So we'll pray for their safe travels. And but we don't have any uh, one this morning to uh, report on that's, that's ill, so we're thankful for that place. So if you'll join me as we read in Psalms 119, page 708. <clears throat> Psalms 119, 
starting in 1 verse 103. How sweet are your words to taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So let's pray, please. Father God, we come before you today just rejoicing to be in your house and to come together to fellowship and to hear of your word, Father God. Lord, we do desire for that word to be sweet as honey to our lips and that we desire for it to lead our path, Father God. It is the only lamp that we desire. So, Father, we come today seeking to be close to you, to draw near to your word, that, Lord, you would take the words that are spoken today and you would enlarge our understanding. Father, I pray that your spirit would move mightily through our worship, Father, and that it would be a place that would bring sweet aroma to your nostrils. Lord, we love you and we praise you, and it's in your mighty son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, he is my song. You are good, good, oh, you are good, good, oh, you are
Today we're going to continue in the study in Philippians, and Daniel's been teaching for us the last few weeks in Philippians. Today we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. It's going to be on page one, uh, 1349. Page 1349, Philippians chapter 2. And Daniel taught out of chapter 2 last week, and I want to just read the first couple of verses that a chapter 2 that he taught on. It says, starting in verse 1, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affliction and mercy... Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Paul is talking here, and Daniel helped us to see last week, that he's calling the church at Philippi to love each other and to be united in the place that Jesus is united with us. In the place that we're united with him, we can come together in fellowship and be united together. And he goes on to continue to tell us in verse 5 that it says to let this mind, 
he's talking about our minds. To let this mind be in you, in you and me, which was also in Christ Jesus. He's saying be of the same mind together as one body as Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal to God. So even though even though he is the form of the very essence, the very form of God, he did not consider this a place of trying to grasp that equality. Rather, he humbled himself, it says, Rather, in verse 7 it says, But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. So he, he actually emptied himself of all his divinity. He was still fully God, but he became a man. So it's a hard phrase for us to understand because he was still God. But he emptied himself to become a man, a bondservant, a servant to fulfill God's plan. So he emptied himself and to become in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So he comes in this form, in this place of humanity, of a man, and he humbles himself to be obedient to the Father's plan, even to the point of death. So this is where we're going to take up today is this understanding that Paul is talking about how Jesus humbled himself to come and to fulfill the very plan that the Father had for redeeming mankind. So we're going to start today in verse 12. It says, Therefore, my beloved, I love how Paul starts out. He loves his church. He loves his people in his church. He loves fellow believers. He's united with them. And so he calls them beloved. He says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. He's saying, you have always obeyed. He's relating this back to this place where Jesus was obedient to what the Father's plan and purpose was. And he's talking to the church, and he's saying, you also have obeyed when I'm here and in your presence and when I'm not in your presence. He says, you've, you've obeyed. And now he comes on and says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So it's interesting to me in this place of talking about obedience what is he talking about because he's also continuing to say work out your salvation in fear and trembling so I was thinking about that this week about this place of salvation and what Paul would be talking here in this place of obedience and he's talking to a church who is 
coming into understanding of, of what it means to walk out the fullness of their salvation. But in this place, he's, he says right here that they have obeyed in his presence and when he's even not there. So what, he, what I believe he is saying is they are doing the best that they have been taught to do that he has taught them thus far but I think he's calling them to say but there's more beyond where you are and I think that is so true with each of us we come and we are trying to walk in obedience to what we've been taught what God has called us to to his ways to his truths but Paul is saying today there is more and it says there's this place of working out your salvation. This place of understanding working out. I looked this up because I thought, wonder what this means exactly. And in the Hebrew understanding and the Greek understanding. So these, these people would help us to understand what Paul is saying. And it truly is a place of laboring towards a solution towards a end point so it's not that you are going to be there today but rather it's that understanding that you're going to continue to work out your salvation continue in this place and it says to work it out with fear and trembling I loved looking up this word because this place of fear, sometimes people say, well, that means reverence. And it's true. This word does mean reverence and respect. But this word means far more than just reverence and respect. It means exactly what we know it to mean. It means to be in fear. And it even says to be alarmed and to be aware of the terror. So fear, he's saying work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This word trembling means to be shaken by great fear. I think this is important for us to hear today that Paul is coming to this church who is beginning to learn to walk in the ways of the Lord. And he's telling them something really important. He's saying, it's not enough for you just to recognize that you've made an obedient decision to follow Jesus. It's a place that will have to continue for your lifetime. I thought about this place of saved, and sometimes as the church, we as a body throughout the world, the church is very focused on whether or not somebody is saved. And we have a lot of, of messages, and we have a lot of, 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 um, of direction towards getting people to make a commitment to surrender their life to Jesus in what we would call being saved. And that is so important. I don't take anything away from that. But I think we have to be aware that it can't stop 
there because that's not what the Bible's teaching. The teaching of the Bible is, is that you have a point in time in your life where you do come to make a decision to be obedient, just as Paul is saying here. But then he's saying there is a place of that obedience being stretched out through your entire life. Salvation, this word of salvation. Sometimes we have this idea that salvation simply means we'll get to go to heaven. I think the better understanding that we could hold on to, yes, there is a place of eternal life with Jesus. And yes, that is a great place and a great time of rejoicing when we get to receive that great blessing and that great gift. But I think we want to recognize that salvation, the word here, also doesn't mean just salvation, just eternal life, but rather it means deliverance. And it, it is an understanding of where, and we've talked about this before, where God reaches down and rescues the believer from destruction and darkness and brings him into safekeeping with him. When we have that understanding, it kind of changes everything. In other words, we see ourselves over here in this darkness and in this destruction. We were born there. Salvation is the purpose and plan that God has to come and to take you out of that place and to bring you into safety eternally with him. I want to read a little feather here in verse 13. It says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. This is exactly what I'm talking about. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It is God's will to come and to rescue you out of the darkness, out of the destruction, and to bring you into safekeeping. That is his will. But in this same place, we have a response as well. We can come and be obedient to this place that God is desiring for us, and we can join into God's plan, and we can be obedient as Jesus was as we die to ourselves and what we desire and what we want to allow him to lift us out of that place and to bring us into safekeeping. God's purpose and will 
is to do exactly that. His good pleasure is to do exactly that. But we have to be obedient as Jesus was obedient unto death as a, an example to us, as a picture to us of what obedience means. So in this transformation from darkness and destruction to safety has to be a decision to die to ourselves. Jesus, it says, was obedient unto death to fulfill God's purpose. We are called in the same manner to die to ourselves, to be obedient unto death to our desires and our ways that God might lift us out and bring us into safekeeping. Let me um, give you a couple of um, scriptures to look at. Hope, put your marker here. We'll come right back to this place. But turn to John 6. It's on page 1228. Jesus is teaching his disciples and, and he's teaching them that he is the bread of life. And let's start in verse, verse 38. And Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. That's exactly what Paul was saying, is that he's come down. He's come down. He's left all that there was in the heavenlies to come down and to be made a man, to walk on earth, but not for, to fulfill his own will, but for the will of him who sent him. Verse 39 says, this is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The will of the Father. If you ever want to know what the will of the Father is, it's right there. It's his will to come and rescue you and deliver you out of the darkness and bring you in to safety eternally with him. Let's turn back to Philippians, as Paul is continuing here to help us to understand this place. And I want to actually keep your marker in Philippians. I want to go to Ephesians. It's on page 1343, just a couple of pages back. And Paul writes again in Ephesians 2. So we understand that the will of the Father is to 
rescue us out of this place and to bring us into this place. And that would take a place of us receiving and submitting to what the Father's plan is in order for us to be rescued. Sometimes we want our own way. We want to do we want to be saved the way we want to be saved. We want to do it by our own merits, our own goodness. That is not what Jesus is saying. He's saying that you have to believe in the purpose and the plan that the Father is doing in order for this place to take place. But in this place, Paul says, but there's something beyond that initial place of just receiving this deliverance. He's coming and saying, work out that salvation with fear and trembling. With fear and trembling, work out that salvation. Sometimes this gets misunderstood, and people feel like they can work to be good, and that will bring them into salvation. That's not what Paul is talking about. He's not talking about working your salvation so that you can be saved. But he's saying that working out your salvation, that you might show the evidence of your salvation to the world. The works are not a place to gain salvation. In other words, you're in darkness, you're in destruction, you can't do anything to get yourself out. You can't be good enough, you can't go to church enough, you can't read your Bible enough, you can't sing hymns enough, you can't love on your family enough, you can't love on your neighbor enough, you can't do anything to get yourself out of darkness and destruction. Salvation is exactly as we said, it's God's plan of deliverance to come and rescue you. There's not been very many times that I've had to be rescued physically. Possibly you haven't either. But as I was thinking about this place of rescue, I was thinking about someone that might have swam too far from the shore at the lake, and now they're out too far and they can't get back in and they're out here and they need to be rescued there is nothing they can do on their own they can fight the water they can try to get in but if they are truly out in the deep they can't by their own ways their own merits get to the shore they need someone to come and rescue them. And when that person comes to rescue them, they don't need to try to say, this is the way I want to be rescued, is it? No. If they're truly drowning in the deep water, they have to submit to the one who is going to lift them out of the water and bring them into safety. So it is not something you can do 
by works to be saved. And Paul tells us this in Ephesians 2, verse 8. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not to yourself, it is the gift of God. It says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. So I see this place. If someone comes to your rescue and you are out here in the deep water and they come to get you out of the deep waters, it's a gift that they would come and do this. It's not because you deserve it necessarily. They don't know you. They're just coming to help you out of this situation. It's a gift that they're giving you. They're getting you out of this place. Maybe they do know you. Maybe they don't know you. But they're getting you. It's a gift that they're going to get you out of this deep water and bring you into this place of safety. It's a gift of God. It's because of his goodness. But it can only be received when you trust in that place in faith enough to be redeemed, set free, lifted out of that, delivered out of that place. You can only come and receive salvation as you submit obediently to him in faith. That's why it's saying, for by grace you've been saved through faith. His grace, his gift that is doing the saving, your faith. So there is a place of having God is giving and doing the gift giving. But there is a response that has to come from us to allow us to be delivered out of that place it goes on in verse 9 and it says not of works lest anyone should boast not of works not of your works you can't be saved because you've done something good it's out of God's goodness his gift Let's look at Matthew 5. It's on page 1115. Actually, I want to go back to, let's go back to Philippians. We'll come back to that in just a minute. Because I want to show you one place in here. So back to Philippians where you have your marker, Philippians 2. And let's read through this again, starting in verse 12. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, 
not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. You see, it's God that is working in this place to bring about his will and his good pleasure. And then it says, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So in this place, Paul is saying, you will be saved not of your own merits, but of this place where God is working in you. He is bringing you to this place to work out your salvation. So when you come in obedience and receive his gift of salvation, then God is going to put in you what you need to bring forth the fullness of your light that works out your salvation throughout your life. In other words, he's saying you can do nothing to save yourself and bring yourself out of the darkness. But once you're out of the darkness, then God is, begins to fill you up with who he is. And in that place where he fills you up, out of that you will work out who he is in your life. And you begin to walk in a way that he shines forth as a light would. And that's what he's saying. In chapter 2, verse 15, he said that with um, that you may become blameless and harmless, that you may become innocent. Innocent and pure is the, what he's talking about here. That you may become blameless and harmless, innocent and pure out of the darkness, that he's working out the darkness that's in you so it's not there anymore. And that you may become children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, even in the world, even in those around you that might not be walking in purity and innocence and blameless before the Lord, that you could walk without fault. You would not stumble in the darkness. You would walk in such a place that you would shine as a light in the world. God not only wants to bring us into salvation so that we have eternal life with him and we are saved for eternity, that's not the end of God's purpose and his will. That is his purpose and will, but it extends beyond that. He wants to use us as a light to the world that others might could see him through you. So turn with me now to that Matthew 5. It's on page um, 1115.
starting in verse 14, Jesus is teaching to his disciples, and he is, he is making this very same understanding to them. He says in verse 14, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. He's saying, I want to use you in a way that you will be this lamp, that you will be not put underneath a basket and, and nobody can even see who you are. I want you to bring forth this light of who I am and shine to those around you. So verse 16 says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Well, we just talked about that. We said you can't work to get to a place of being saved. Yet Jesus and Paul say, but let your light shine that men may see your good works. What is he talking about here? Sometimes we think about, well, it must be that I do good things. That's not necessarily the fullness of what Jesus is talking about, that you might take dinner to somebody or that you might uh, do a nice uh, good deed for somebody. There are a lot of people that do good deeds all the time that have nothing to do with Jesus. They don't walk with Jesus. They don't uh, bow down to Jesus. They have nothing to glorify Jesus in, but they do a lot of good things. That's not the works that Jesus is talking about. What Jesus is talking about is keeping God's commandments and being obedient to him that the world might see him through you. And you can see that because he goes on in verse 17 and he said, I do not, he says, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fill up, to fulfill to fill up, to fulfill the law. He came to fulfill the law. And so keeping the law, doing good deeds, doing good merits will never save you. But Paul is helping us to understand. But once you are saved, walking in God's laws, walking in his truth, walking in his ways... is evidence of your salvation. Not only to yourself, but to those around you. That the light of Jesus might shine forth. Jesus goes on, and if you want a place to read this week, this is a great place to read in chapter 5, because he goes on and he talks about God's laws. And how that he filled them up. In fact, he goes on and he says, you know, in verse 21, he says, You've heard it said that you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in the danger of judgment. But I say, whoever is angry. So he enlarges, he fills up the understanding of God's laws and truths. And he's saying, 
you understood it to be only this. I'm telling you, the heart of the Father is that you won't be angry with each other. And he goes on to help to enlarge these places. He says, you know, down in verse 27, he says, you shall not commit adultery. That is one of God's laws. But Jesus says in verse 28, but I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He's saying, I've enlarged this understanding. You can't even be lusting after a woman. God is enlarging, or Jesus is enlarging our understanding of what the laws were meant. The law is a way of life, not a way to salvation. You cannot save yourself by keeping God's laws. But after God has rescued you out of the darkness, then walking out your salvation working out your salvation is walking in God's laws in the spirit of God's laws that they might be evidence of your salvation to yourself and to others let me see if I can find one more scripture let's look at James 2 it's on page 1387 So verse 14 says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? Well, we just read a while ago where faith by grace, through faith, saves you. And that is true. But what James is saying is true salvation will not end with this place of just being obedient and having faith in who Jesus is, but rather it takes you into a place of working out your salvation. It will be a true heart change that you will desire and you will want to walk in the things of Jesus if your heart has truly been obedient to who he is then when he delivers you out your faith will produce works evidence of who you are looking at verse 15 it says if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them depart in peace and be warmed and filled but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. In other words, they're saying this person comes up to you and says, you know, I, I, I'm naked and I have no food. And, I, and, and you say, you know, depart in peace and be warm and be filled up. And, and you say all the right things, but you don't give them anything. You don't 
show any works towards them, then it didn't help them at all. Faith is the same way. If you say all the churchy things, but, it, but you have no evidence, no works, then it, your faith is dead. But verse 18 says, But someone will say, <clears throat> You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. James is saying, I will show you the evidence of my faith through keeping God's commandments. Verse 19 says, You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe, and they tremble. It's so true. So many times we want to ask people, we want to say, Are you a believer? Do you believe in Jesus and people say oh yes I'm a believer I'm a Christian people say it all the time they say oh yes I'm a Christian or she's a Christian they're a Christian everybody's a Christian but when you look at their lives there's no evidence of that and James is saying he's saying the, you believe that there is one God he says well that's you do well at that but even the demons believe and they tremble Verse 21, I mean 20 says, But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect, complete? He's saying, do you not see that faith is working together with works? And by that, your faith is made perfect, complete. Evidence. Evidence. Let's look at... Let's look at, at uh, first. Uh, I'm sorry, Second Thessalonians. It's on page thirteen sixty. Second Thessalonians, and we're going to look at chapter one. Verse eleven. Paul is writing here to the church in uh, Thessalonica, and, uh, but he's saying some very similar things, and we see that the Bible is consistently helping us to understand same truths. It says, therefore, verse 11, therefore we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasures of his goodness and the work of faith with power. That you would be worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasures of his goodness and the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you 
and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, according to his gift and his goodness. And if you look back, um, turn back just a page and uh, to the beginning of that chapter, we see that uh, starting in verse 3, Paul writes here, it says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren. It is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other. He's, he's saying, we're so thankful because your faith is growing and your love for each other is growing and abounds in this place so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. He's saying we are so honored to to be able to to boast about you to other churches because of your love for each other and because of your patience and your faith even when you're being persecuted and in trials and tribulations that you endure which is the manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer, that you would be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. Sometimes we have this idea of being saved is just a place that we can get into the club. I believe in Jesus. I'm a Christian. I was baptized. Check, check, check. I'm in the club. And I think the message throughout the Bible, through Jesus' teaching, through Paul's teachings, is the very place that says there should be evidence of your salvation. Evidence that you're worthy of the call. The call of what? The call to be the light, the call to show the evidence to those around you, that they would see that you're changed, you're not who you used to be. And there's evidence that proves it. The last scriptures that I want to share with you it is uh, Galatians 5, it's on page 1341. I'm in Ephesians. I thought, I can't seem to find that. Galatians, here we go. Absolutely. Okay. Paul says it in another way. In Galatians, in verse 16, chapter 5, verse 16. 
actually let's start in verse uh, 14 it says for all the law is fulfilled in one word even in this you shall love your neighbor as yourself but if you bite and devour one another beware lest you be consumed by one another I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh so this place of working out your salvation is the same place Paul talks here of walking in the spirit for the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish but if you're led by the spirit you're not under the law in other words you're not under the penalty of the law you're not under the penalty of the law of death because if you walk in the spirit the law cannot condemn you now the works of the flesh are evidence which are adultery fornication uncleanness lewdness idolatry sorcery hatred contentions jealousies outburst of wrath selfish ambition dissensions heresy envy murders drunkenness rivalries and the like he says and, and many more of which I tell you beforehand just as I've told you in times past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God so you may say you're a Christian but you walk in these things you practice these things Paul says you're not you, there's no evidence that you've been obedient to Christ and died to yourself he was obedient to death to pay for our sins we must be obedient to death to receive that payment there's a response but 22 says but the fruit of the Spirit the evidence of the Spirit the evidence of your salvation is love joy peace long-suffering oh my goodness long-suffering is that a hard one for us to to have sometimes with each other to be patient to be kind even in difficulty kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control against such there's no law there's no law against these these are under God's law there's no condemnation from the law these are in alignment with God's law and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires if we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit I pray that you will be challenged by this word that our salvation would not be a, a point in time of when we made a decision that did not change our lives 
but we would be challenged to make sure that we made a decision that changed our lives until the day he takes us home and that there would be evidence of that in our lives that we could see ourselves and that others around us could see. You know, it's a great place when people oftentimes say, you're not who you used to be. That is a place I desire for people to see, I am not who I used to be. God has changed me, and I pray that the evidence would be a light to others. If there's a place in your heart that God is quickening you, you would like prayer, um, please come to the back and let us join you in that place of, of seeking the Father to change our lives. Justice has been satisfied. 
sin.